on an emerging generation of kings. Hey, the mind. The mind. Do you mind if I talk about the mind tonight? Hope you don't mind. I'm about to share about the mind. Hope you don't mind that I share about the mind. Does anybody mind me sharing about the mind? You don't mind, but you have your mind with me as we speak about the mind. All right. Bless you, Bukola. Thanks for praying, leading so powerfully. Thank you to everybody who joined in early. Um, I'm aware that some people are writing exams and we send our love and prayers to all those who are writing university exams and those who are writing professional exams. And for those who are not writing exams, but they are, but life is examining them, and then plenty pass. Um, we pray strength for you in the name of Jesus. Even in this season, your mind is strengthened and reinforced. You're not going to fail or buckle under pressure. You will have the capacity, the inner strength to be able to excel regardless of what the, the questions that life may be throwing at you may be. All right, we're going to go right through it. But before we do that, today is Wednesday. It's amazing how Wednesdays come back by pretty fast. Tell me in the comments. I don't just want to tell me how Sunday was. Tell me what changes you are making based on the teachings around the mind. What changes have you made? Or what difference are you seeing in your life? So it could be, oh, I'm more intentional about where I go or I'm investigating certain things about my life or um, I'm more tactical, whatever it is. Tell us in the comments. Tell us in the comments. Tell us in the comments. What difference are you seeing in your life? Let's make it quick. All right, is anybody making any change? Have you? All right. So Demala said, letting only positive thoughts into my mind, okay? Do you mind sharing how that is going or how you're able to do that? Because I want us to be very tactical, particularly tonight, uh, down to earth granular. If someone deals with maybe like a lot of negative thoughts, maybe accidents or premature death or breakup or divorce, right? Negative thoughts. How can that person make the switch? I'm going to teach about it today, right? But I just want to also hear from your experiences. How can that person make a difference um, in, in their thinking process? So how do you let only positive thoughts? I mean, there's a lot of negativity out there. <laughs> a lot of negativity about the economy, about Nigeria, about being an African, about maybe from your family members, your WhatsApp groups, as a family, 
How are you dealing with that? How do you let only positive thoughts? Is it even possible to allow only positive thoughts? Now, as I'm asking Demola this question, you can be answering your own questions. What changes are you making? All right, Bumi. I feel like I've not seen Bumi in such a long time. I'm sending you love and blessings. Consciously rebuking negative thoughts anytime they come, come. Okay. But how do you do it? Do you, I want us to be practical. Do you go like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority of other thoughts and I cast you down. Chetima says, I've been paying attention to what I think about this weekend. Intentionally rebuking negative thoughts. All right. Beautiful. So you rebuke it, right? Okay. Chetima says, I declare God's word immediately. All right. Fantastic. I like that. Reminding myself of God's promises. Beautiful. So it's like a no neutral zone um, affair, right? And that's like, you don't just let your mind be a blank slate. You allow God to install his own thoughts in your mind. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. Let me get one or two more. What differences are you seeing in your life? What changes are you making in your life? What are you beginning to embrace more intentionally? Let me check out our peeps on YouTube. As Americans would call it, YouTube. Like, it's not you, YouTube. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? YouTube. I'm still waiting. Obviously, you know that the way church is designed to function, every member supplies something and something active, not something like silence. There's a time to be quiet, but there's also a time to speak. All right. Minister says, deliberately, intentionally declaring God's word and also having a heart of gratitude. That's very good. That heart of gratitude, that is the right posture so that you are not playing defense alone. You're playing attack. All right. I said this takes on YouTube. I see or go on YouTube. Rotimi, you're welcome. Uh, Amalara, Rotimi, you're welcome. Uh, Buddy, you're welcome. Rosie, um, everybody on YouTube. Okay. So Rosemont says, I've had to reassess my goals and inspirations. Do you mean aspirations? Confirm. Critically analyze why, whys, my whys. All right. This says more intentional of what my mind processes. Good. I've learned how to say no without feeling guilty. That's good. Someone said to me on Sunday, I had no idea that my mind was that powerful. Right. I had no idea that my mind was that powerful. How many of you felt like you just had a new level of revelation about the power of your mind? If Sunday was like mind shifting for you, just drop an emoji. You can put a Y for yes, or you can put an emoji. There is so in my personal notes and affirmation, whilst praying the Holy Spirit help in changing words, like what if I can't to what if I exceed common now, exceed the expectations, making my what if supportive drives beautiful. Pilan says, this week I've been realizing and relearning the power of the mind and taking on more mental, ch mentally challenging tasks, both spiritual and otherwise. I love that. 
Yeah. If, if you had a shift on Sunday, um, not like you had never known about the power of the mind, but you just had like a, a new level of awareness um, based on what I taught on Sunday. Drop a comment. Okay. Great, 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 great. Gift says, Sunday opened my eyes to see how my mind works and the importance of my mind, especially when you said a sound mind is what converts invisible power to visible transformation. That is good. I'm more conscious of how my mind works, feeding it with positivity and in God's word. All right, Bosaya, I see you as well. Let's go, let's go, let's go today. We might still, you know, touch on the story of the, that man of Gadara, of the Gadarenes, but let's start off with Romans chapter 12. And we're very familiar with Romans chapter 12. We're very familiar with that, most of us. I need my scribes to post the, the scriptures as we go along. If you have a Bible, please go there. Um, but make sure you're not the one driving. If you do go there. <laughs> if you do go there, make sure you're not the one driving. Mm -hmm. Now, the word says from verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So whenever you see therefore, that therefore is therefore something. Okay? And what was it saying? The premise of his proposition is from Romans 11, because again, I've taught you before that the Bible was not written with chapters. The original writers of the Bible, the people that God breathed on and breathed in to write the scriptures and the gospels and the poetry books and all of that, they were not, they didn't write them in chapters. They just wrote them in scrolls mostly, right? So when it says, Therefore, I, I beseech you, Brendan, therefore, it's continuing a thought from Romans 11. And in Romans 11, he's basically speaking about Israel rejecting what God had done and each Israel being rejected and all of that because they rejected God's offer. Now, when you go to verse 33 of Romans 11, that's 1133, Romans 1133, it says, all the death of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. This is important. This is important. This is important. Verse 34 then says, I, I feel goosebumps already. Why so early? Verse 34 says, for who has known the mind of the Lord. He's saying his ways are past finding out. He said, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Somebody type, God has a mind. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. In other words, is God owing anybody anything? Can anybody do business on an intellectual basis? As in, can anybody match up with God's thinking? That's what all of that is saying. 
Verse 36, then sums everything together. Romans 11, 36, if you want to know what life is about, why you were created, what God has in mind, verse 36, where's Nora? Get Nora on the call right now. Verse 36 says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom the glory forever and ever. So God is the ceaseless cycle of sustenance. God is the unseasoned source of all substance. God is the all in all. He's unsearchable. You see, if you have to think about what your husband or wife or brother or sister or flatmate or uncle is doing, you have to engage their minds. You have to think about their minds. God sees everything all at the same time. God does not have to interview anybody for the purpose of gathering information about them. If he ever interviews anybody, is trying to get that person through that interview to have a larger view, to have a broader view, to have an outer view. God doesn't interview you to gain knowledge. God interviews you so that you can gain a greater knowledge of his unsearchable knowledge. Whew. Anybody getting blessed already? I'm getting blessed. Now, he says, the depths, the depths, the depths. Who has known the mind of the Lord? This is important. He says, who has known it? Who can counsel him? Who understands the constructs of his history? Who knows his past? Who is able to analyze the extremities of what it takes to be God? Who has ever lived a God day? Right? I'm not saying the day where I said God day, right? Or God free. No. That who knows what? Who knows what it takes to be God? Where everybody's sending their requests back to back to back to back. And when you grant some of them, most of them don't thank you. Most of them break the promises that they say they're going to keep. If only I can get the job, God, I'll give you 50%, not 10%. God, if you give me a husband, I will ensure that I don't uh, abuse him or disrespect him. God, if you give me a child, I will make sure I serve you. They make all those promises and they break them. And God still loves them. Who can counsel God? The person that has not even forgiven the one that offended him 10 years ago. Can he counsel God? Who forgives freely even before men commit their sins? Can you counsel God? Can you advise God as to when he should bless you? Do you have the right calendar for your prophecy? Can, I, I, is somebody getting what I'm saying? So the renewal of the mind is not to renew it, to fulfill its own agenda. The renewal of the mind is to get it closer to the state that God originally created it in so that there will be little or no friction between the mind of God and the mind of the Son of God. Therefore, the Son of God can actually live out the mind of God and verse 36 becomes the reality. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be all the glory. Because listen, new age, positive psychology, motivational thinking outside of the word. There's motivational thinking within the word, within the context of the word. All things are of God, all good things. So there's Christian motivation, okay? <laughs> Don't get to, so the, the enemy likes to label everything bad so that you think everything is from him, okay? Now, but motivation that is outside of revelation, outside of the word, that violates the, 
doctrine of the Christ and of the kingdom will tell you that channel your energy, renew your mind, focus your mind, it can do anything. Listen, if you renew your mind for the purpose of ambition, that mind is not being renewed God's way. That mind is actually being renewed in rebellion because that mind is not drawing grace and strength from what God has done. It's drawing grace and strength for what it can do. And guess who gets the glory when it does it? Self gets the glory. Are we following this now? So when it comes to changing my mind, I'm not trying to change my mind faster so I can buy a faster car. I'm not trying to change my mind faster so that my, my husband can attract me. I can attract my husband. I'm trying to renew my mind so that verse 36 can be the reality. Why am I saying that? Because that's the premise against which or from which Paul then writes chapter 12. He said, because for him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be all the glory. He said, therefore, I beseech you now that you present your body, why? Your body was made for him. Your mind, your mind was made for him. Your spirit, your spirit was made for him. That you present your body. Is anybody following what I'm saying now? By the mercy of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, why should it be acceptable to God? Was it not God that gave you your body? Yes, because he's building on a thought, which is Romans eleven thirty six. Right, what's the thought? From him are all things, which means my body is from God. It says through him are all things. So my body should go through God and to him are all things. Then I present my body unto God. But when I present it, I should present it holy. What's holy? Separate, different in the same state in which God gave it. And then acceptable. In other words, it meets the standard of God. It says, this is your reasonable service. <laughs> your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed, because that's the default setting. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of of your mind by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now that word, let's, let's look at another transition so you can see what is actually saying. There. Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think, look at that, that, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So he's aligning the renewal of the mind as a prerequisite for recognizing the will of God. What it means is the more my mind is renewed, the more I'm aligned with the will of God for my life. I'm not renewing my mind so I can become a better achiever for myself. I'm renewing my mind so that all the beautiful and pleasant things that even my imagination 
cannot generate by itself will be deposited from my spirit man into my conscious mind so I can really taste and see that indeed the Lord is good. Are we following this now? He says that God's will is good and, and pleasing and perfect. Let's read it from TPT. Oops. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through what? A total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live, guess what it says? Number one, a beautiful life. Number two, satisfying. Number three, perfect in his eyes. So the renewal of my mind does not just, is not designed to marginally improve my life. It is to give me a beautiful life, a satisfying life, a perfect life. Somebody say, my life is beautiful. Someone say, my life, imagine it, think about it. Say, my life is beautiful. My marriage is beautiful. My children are beautiful. My ministry is beautiful. My work in Kings, beautiful. My walk with the Lord, beautiful. Be full of beauty. Full of beauty. Full of beauty. Imagine if there was no friction, no resistance between what God actually wanted for you and what you are working on. Imagine if there was a seamless flow. That's what the renewal of the mind is about. Let me, let me paint a picture in your mind. Please share the link, share the link, share the link. Please share the link. Let's, let's get more people in, particularly on YouTube. As a matter of fact, right now, you can go on YouTube and you know, post the link on your story. Let me do that myself. How many of you remember back then when we used to have what they call environmental sanitation? Who remembers environmental sanitation? Anybody remember that? Environmental sanitation. All right, beautiful. Usually it was on Saturdays. Hmm? Saturdays. And you know what used to happen? Tell me what are some of the things that used to happen? Tell me some of the things that used to happen during environmental sanitation exercise. Cleaning. Thank you very much. Good. Tombs. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Cleaning dirty gutters. Jade said clean, uh, general cleaning. Gift says cleaning. We have to wake up early. Football. <laughs> Book said football on the streets. We don't go out early. Good. Everyone comes out in their, uh, in their shorts, cleaning the gutters, cutting weeds. You're right. All of that. Correct. Now, think about the gutters. The gutters usually were very blocked. They were thick with plastic that don't decompose, with murk and mire and grime and grease and dirt and dustbin deposits, just all kinds of stuff. Thanks to all those who are showing them seeing that. Now, <laughs> okay, when you get into that gutter, you know what you do? 
I don't know if anybody here ever did it, but our uncles and maybe dads or that bra, bra down the street. They get in the gutter, then they begin to scoop, remove the dirt. They remove the dirt, remove the dirt, boom, remove the dirt, boom, remove the dirt, using plastic gloves and rakes. And then eventually, guess what happens? They pour water, they flush the water. And after God knows two, three hours, the, dirt, the, the gutter is clean. That is a picture of mind renewal. Now, once the gutter is clean, give me some of the things that happen there. What are some of the things that happen there? Once the gutter is clean. No mosquitoes, thank you very much. So the chances of having diseases or falling ill, malaria, boom, drastically reduced. Water can flow what freely. Are you seeing that? Bad smell leaves the area. The drainage is free. Are you seeing what? Are you seeing the word? Drainage is free. Freedom. So what is freedom? What we call freedom is an experience we have when our minds are renewed with the power of the word. It says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free. All right, I don't know what happened over there. Let me know if you can. Yeah, can you hear me now? All right, beautiful. So I was saying that somebody can be delivered and not be free. It sounds an antithetical or contradict, uh, contradictory, but here's the point. When somebody is delivered, that's like maybe somebody was bound. The person was bound, okay? And the chains are broken. Well, the shackles of my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. Chains are gone. But, you know, if you've worn anything around your hand for a long time, maybe like a wristwatch, you wear it for two or three days, or you had uh, a waistband or something, a belt, you know, there's a way that thing has been removed, but it still feels as though it was still on your hand. Has that happened to you before? And you still have the band marks, but also in your mind. Now, this is what happens to many believers. He said that he has delivered us, translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1.13. Right? But when you go to Galatians 4 verse 1, he says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and do not again be yoked to the same yoke of bondage. What Christ, listen, please, 
What Christ offers is not just deliverance. What Christ offers is freedom. And freedom is superior to deliverance. <laughs> Somebody ought to be jumping right now. Pardon me. My other device seems to be, uh, yeah. Are we together? Yep. So what Christ offers is not just, he doesn't just offer us, sorry, that was Galatians 5 verse 1. Galatians 5 verse 1. At last we have freedom. Why? For Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Somebody say, I'm free. I'm not just delivered, I am free. Deliverance means I'm no longer bound by what helped me. But freedom means I am free to choose. I have options, possibilities. Deliverance means I'm no longer restricted. But it does not mean I'm free to go everywhere. I'm, it doesn't mean, I mean, somebody can still have a restraining order. Look at this. Somebody can be out of jail, but there's still a restraining order. He's not in jail, but there's a restraining order. Now, when Christ sets you free, the devil could no longer put a restraining order on you. The freedom is freeing. Somebody say the freedom is freeing. John chapter 8, verse 32. Help us now. For if you embrace the truth, TPT, if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. If you embrace the truth, true freedom. Verse 36 TPT. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. No caveats, free. All right. So when Paul is speaking about renewal of the mind, he's saying the way you experience, listen, this, this, let me simplify for you. Whether you renew your mind or not, you are delivered. Whether you renew your mind or not, the truth, God's perspective, once you receive the life of Jesus, once you embrace the life of Jesus, once you accepted the finished work of Christ on the cross, all of heaven and hell agreed. In fact, hell had no choice, really. They didn't have a say in the matter. But they could recognize that you were free. Look at this. Let me show you. Colossians 1 from verse 12. TPT. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Verse 13. He has rescued us he has rescued my life out of the word he has rescued us completely some of the time completely there 
He has rescued us, verse 13 now, completely from the tyrannical rule, <laughs> the abusive, authoritarian, dictatorial, completely of darkness and translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. I'm in the kingdom realm. Why? Verse 14, for in the son, all... Our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. In other words, when I said the release of redemption, it doesn't mean that redemption is released unto us. It means redemption releases us. <laughs> you see that now. Redemption releases. So why do many believers struggle? If this is true, this is true, right? Where the issue is, is in the mind. So whether your mind is written or not, you are delivered. However, what determines the level of freedom you will experience in your life, what determines the level of fruitfulness you will experience in your life, what determines the level of fortitude you will embrace in your life, what determines the level of fulfillment you will have in your life is a function of the renewal of the mind. Are we here now? So for some of them, I've been thinking, oh, this must be a lot of work. Let me give us a couple of things that we must know about renewing the mind. And then I'll talk about the mind. Then I'll talk about five major things in renewing the mind. Let's go. Number one, your mind is an asset and not a liability. Your mind is a God-given asset and not a liability. Because what happens to some of us is because our minds have been trained to imagine the negative things. You can just be somewhere now and all of a sudden just start thinking, what if a plane just crashes on top of this classroom? You just be thinking, what if the trailer runs into the BQ? Oh, what if somebody just comes and rapes somebody? What if, you know, you just, you just think about that. And because you, you think about that or that happens to you, your mind is hijacked every now and again. Eggs are laid in your, in your hair. Or even your self-generating desires. And some of them could be offensive even to you yourself. Right? Or maybe you even have cravings along the lines of LGBTQ. You just feel, oh, I like that person. That girl looks hot and you're a girl. And I want to do something with her. Or this man looks hot and I want to do something with him. All those things can make you think that this, your mind is a liability. But see, when you got saved, God did not deliver you from your mind. He delivered you from the power of darkness. He didn't deliver your mind from you. Why? Your mind is not darkness. If your mind was a liability when he saved you, you would have become mindless. But he left your mind. Why? Because your mind is not one of the sins that he died for. Your mind is not a sin. He didn't have to die for it. Your mind is not a sin, S-I-N. Your mind is a sin, S-C-E-N-E. -E. A sin that can display his glory when you bring that mind under the washing of the water of the word and you allow the tutorial ministry of the Holy Spirit to guide you into increasing levels of sanctification as you apply the mind or apply the, the mind to the word of God. Are we getting what I'm saying now? So your mind is an asset 
out of your mind can come so many things. It's, it's so important now. In fact, Paul will say, I will bring you to remembrance. I will remind you of this. In fact, it's such an asset that Jesus said, <clears throat> I will give you another help of the Holy Spirit. Said he will remind you. So if you didn't, if you didn't have a mind, listen, please. If you didn't have a mind, the Holy Spirit will not be able to do much with your life. Because one of the things the Holy Spirit does in the mind of the in the life of the believer is that the Holy Spirit sensitizes the mind of the believer to the presence of Jesus, to the belief systems of Jesus. The mind is such a critical element that when the when Jesus says, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit will remind you. Are we getting this now? So there must be a mind for him to read. Let me explain that for those who don't understand the tongues I just spoke. If your mind is nowhere to be found, how will the Holy Spirit be able to remind you? Boy, it sounds better in Yoruba the way I said it. Oh, you're not talking to me in the comments. I, I feel like this is such, a, such solid stuff. If you are mindless, how will the Holy Spirit remind you of what is less and what is more? So your mind is an asset. Somebody say my mind is an asset. Out of my mind, the Holy Spirit can breathe his agenda for the earth. The Holy Spirit can take off the Christ and tell me exactly what Jesus can be doing right now. What Jesus wants me to be doing. How Jesus wants to operate through my life and through my mind and through my body. So don't see your mind as a liability. It does not matter how toxic your thoughts are, how lustful, how prideful, how vengeful your thoughts may have been, okay? And sometimes may still be, because don't forget, David was a man after God's heart, but most of us have not done half of what David did. David found a girl, slept with a girl, set up the girl's husband to die, then lied and got angry when the prophet, I mean, See, but God says, hey, he's a man after my heart. His mind has issues. His mind has issues. And maybe because it was such a fantastic warrior, everybody assumed that because he was valiant in battle, his mind was renewed. Please understand something. Your spiritual exploits, spiritual exploits, may not be a true reflection of the renewal of your mind. A lot of your spiritual exploits are based on, check this out, the outpourings of grace, anointing upon your life, and strength, okay? But when it comes to building, transformation, your mind has to be renewed. This is also part of why Africa is big on power, but low on wisdom, practical wisdom. The African church, many churches in Africa. How we are able, and I mean no disrespect whatsoever, but get it, because... There's a generation now that will get both streams right. How we are able to raise people out of wheelchairs, but we can build hospitals that work. We can host free crusades, but we struggle to give free education. Does it mean it's, it's, it's a different God that is sponsoring the crusade from the God? If somebody gets what I'm saying, no shadow. And I say with every form of respect in my heart, but concern. Is there a different God that sponsors the crusade 
than the one that sponsors the schools. <laughs> or it's something in our minds. Something in our minds, maybe, most likely. I will get to that. Number two, for time's sake, that asset. Somebody say my mind is an asset. It's an asset. So I must protect it as well. Number two, your mind is a servant. A lot of people feel like their minds are leaders. Actually not. Your mind is not a leader. Your mind is quite, at, at its very uh, base, it's sort of neutral. Yeah? So number two is my mind is a servant. It will either serve the spirit or the flesh. It will either serve the spirit or the flesh. Your mind is not the leader. It's not. It will be led either by the will of the spirit or the cravings of the flesh. And your biggest struggle as a believer will be between those two things. And it will be throughout your life. It will just be different kind of struggles. It will be throughout your life. Let me show you. Even after Paul, you know, Paul went through that place where he says, things I want to do, I, I, I can't do. Things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. No richer man that I am. No different from this body of, excuse me, body of death. Do you know that later in his life, he said, whether I should go or I should stay, I'm not even decided. Because for me to die is Christ, for me to lead is gay. Even at that height of fulfillment and ministry, there was still, as it were, a clash in his individuality. Because what happens sometimes in the earlier time of your life, the clash will be between good and bad. As you mature, it won't be between good and bad. It will be between good and God. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by. So you will always have, as long as you're inside this flesh, it is part of your accompanying burden. So always have to pick spirit or flesh, spirit and flesh over here. There's only one choice you need to make to have eternal life with God. That's to choose Christ. But to grow in that life and to manifest the verities of that life, the attributes of that life, you have to consistently choose between flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit. And sometimes you don't even know that you're choosing or you are choosing. So your mind is a servant. Number three, when it comes to renewing the mind, please understand this. Don't believe everything you think. Otherwise, you might sink. Don't believe everything you think. Otherwise, you might sink. I'm not seeing a lot of people on, on YouTube right now. I can't see my commentators on YouTube any longer. I can only see Sami Adekoya, who's posting all the comments. And then on Instagram, I can say Instagram. On Zoom, I can't really see people participating apart from Pilan, Mr. Uche, and um, Jade, and Coleman. I don't know who Coleman is. Maybe Corridi. Number three, don't believe everything you think, otherwise you might sink. Let me ask you a question. Has it ever happened to you before that you thought somebody really hated you? You just thought this person hated, this person hates me. This person just hates me. And as far as you were concerned, it, it felt real to you. But one day, that person did something or said something, and they knew you were not around. But that day, they cleared your doubts that you were actually really deeply loved. 
has it happened to you before? Let me tell you guys a story. I'll give you the abridged version. Abridged, though, not, I won't give you the long version. Conversely, so I shared the story with you on Sunday about how when um, Israel dropped the notes, do you remember? When Israel dropped the note for me on stage, and in my mind, of course, I didn't show it and I didn't express it. I just said to myself, this guy, why are you dropping the note? I said, I'm, I'm about to round off. Why are you dropping the notes? And I was, uh, maybe at some other time I would have said it, you know, into the microphone. Listen to I know the note had nothing to do with time up. The note had everything to do with a reminder that I had asked for. Isn't it possible for us to cancel what we requested just by the way we were thinking about it? So imagine if I was so, in quotes, upset. I was not upset. I was just, <laughs> why? But if I was so upset and I did not even read that note, I would have ended that service without expressing a critical part of it. And that has happened to many of us. We have canceled marriages based on our irritation and assumptions. We have canceled business opportunities. Yes, somebody say mine be coming down. We have canceled prophecies. We have canceled opportunities, manifestations, premium solutions because not of what people did, but how we interpreted what they did. Are we here now? Are we are we here now? Are we here now? Are we are we here now? Are we here now? Are we are we here now? Let me tell you another story, but that's not, I mean, let me tell you the story I wanted to tell you, but a brief version. So when I was in Unilag, right, um, I won't go into details because some of you might go and be putting two answers together. But there was this very fine girl, of course, there had a number of fine girls, right? And this was before I started going our PLT. Yeah, let me just be clear. But there was this very, very fine girl, right? Pretty girl in my class, who was a model. She actually, I won't mention him of the brand. She modeled for a, uh, a very big brand, like world famous brand. Pretty, very, very fine girl. I want to talk to you about the power of the mind and how the mind can play tricks and games on you. A couple of yeah, fine people, fine girls around. And I had a couple of female friends, many male friends, a couple of female friends. And there was one of them that I think, I mean, she never told me, but I think she liked me. Right, she, I think so. So one day, this girl that I think liked me then said to me, oh, that XYZ person has mentioned your name a couple of times and I think that she really wants to see you. Now, in my head, let me just tell you this, in my own head, this girl, I already knew that nothing could happen. I knew. Hmm? Why did I know nothing could happen? Because this is the major reason, because she was a Muslim. So I knew that hmm, even if you like her or she likes you or this one, I'm not talking about my friend, though. I'm talking about the, my friend's friend. The, not my, it wasn't my friend's friend, our other classmate. Are you following the story? I knew nothing could happen. But then she said, oh, the girl has talked about it a couple of times. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, oh, maybe she actually likes me just for the fun of it. You know, sometimes... You just enjoy the fun of being liked. Is there anybody who just enjoys being liked? <laughs> and there was silence in the temple. 
Be honest, yes. So, <laughs> even when you know that nothing is going to happen, you just like, oh, wow, somebody likes me. Someone is feeling me. I like the way you're feeling now. <laughs> now, guess what? So there was one that now said that, oh, I'll mention another person because people go and Google now. You Google the name and say, who studied chemical engineering in so and so something? <laughs> so now said, oh, yes. That this person says she really wants to see, she really needs to see you. And then I think, you know, there's a way your mind will start joining dots up and down. Because, you know, maybe like whenever we, we saw her, she would just have this twinkle in her eye. And, but you know, some of those twinkle in people's eyes is not really them, it's you. You have magnifying glass of love inside your heart that is magnifying all of those twinkles. <laughs> it was twinkle, twinkle, little star, but you, you were saying, Blinking, blinking, mega star. <laughs> it's only the women that are honest here. All the men, they are performing, but they are the ones that this thing happens to more. So anyway, um, so she said to me, this person wants to see you. And then of she used to be nice to me and everything. So I was like, oh, wow. See how the mind works. So I said, oh, wow. Amazing. I think she, she really, really likes me. She must, like, maybe she's actually in love and she really wants to confess her love. That's, <laughs> that's what my mind was thinking. She really wants to confess her love. So I told this because I was like, why is she telling the middle man to come and talk to me? So I now said to my friend, okay, no problem. Tell her after lectures, blah, blah, blah. Also, so and so day, let's talk. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The day came. And the girl now said, oh, thank you so much. I've really been looking forward to this. <laughs> it's, P it's, it's PLT on this call. I've told her before, but she might not remember. And she'll be like, Peter, you have new stories every year. It's PLT on the call. Yeah, I'm telling you, Jaddy, you're right. Vivid imagination. I know the more creative your mind is, you have to be taming your mind <laughs> because you just form a whole story in your head. Right? If you're, all of you that are very, maybe like videographers, designers, creative writers, you will understand what I'm saying. So then, okay, thank you so much for coming and all. Yeah, we're creatives. So Chanel said, now let me tell you, the devil, it's not, I don't even know whether it's the devil or me. Hmm? I'm not saying me and devil are similar. So, the lady now said, oh, you know what? What I want to talk about is quite personal. <laughs> so with each layer, it was getting intense. She now said, it's so personal. I don't want you to hear about it, to know about it. Said, and I believe that I can trust you to do that for me, right? So of course, of course you can trust me. Come on now, talk to me, baby girl, in my head. So guess what, son? Let's go somewhere private. <laughs> <laughs> It was during the day, it was right after lectures, right after lectures. And if you know chemical engineering, for those who know Unilag, open car park and everything. So she had her car packed under a tree, like p -Land, you know that the side of chemical engineering that's, that faces uh, Jaja Hall and that leads to science, okay? There was nothing scientific about the meeting, yeah. The tree's still there, yes. And I hope they don't cut it because that place just looked like something. Anyway, so Chanel said, can we go to my car? Of course now, it was broad daylight. 
was broad daylight. Can I go to my car? I'm like, yeah, let's go to your car. Let's go to your car. This must be very, so in my head, I'm like, wow, this must be very deep. Very, very, this thing is very, very serious like this. So we go into the car. And Chanel said, I don't even know how to talk about this. This is very heavy. This is very serious. This is very, um, I'm like, I know, I know I can be, you know, but <laughs> why gives why you doing moon face? And I, so I know, I know I can be and everything. She said, but I know I can trust you, right? I've been, I've been looking at you for a while. And I, I said, yeah, you can trust me. So okay. Long story short, do you know what this girl told me? The girl said, so I'm in love with someone. I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Jerry, have I told you the story before? <laughs> so that sounds familiar. Okay. Kenneth, okay, I've told Kenneth, and maybe Kenneth told you. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Arch, have I told you the story before? So I said, yeah, you can, you can talk. And I said, I'm in love with someone and he's a married man. That's the biggest thing if I catch. That's the biggest thing if I catch my girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, books, have I told you the story? So I've told people, I think maybe I told Kenneth and, and Bukala in the office one day. So, but see the mind, see where my mind had already gone. Don't forget, oh, I already knew that nothing could happen. I already knew. <laughs> people said, if I catch that girl. So I already knew. But see how the mind works. So what's the concept there? Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe it. Sometimes you're right. What you're thinking is right. So sometimes you think somebody likes you and they actually like you. Sometimes you feel the energy and it's actually real and true. But sometimes you are the only person in that first field of your imagination. Okay. And um, time is going to tell whether, yeah. But you get the point. Don't believe everything you think. Sort, sift, and separate by the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living, powerful, living, and active, and sharper than any double-edged sword. What does he do? Pierces to divine asunder, uh, to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So on one side, you have soul right? Joint and thoughts, soul, joints, and thoughts. That's the soulish realm, right? On the other side, you have spirit, marrow, and intent. Spirit, marrow, and intent. Why do you need a sword that is so sharp to divide it? Because sometimes soul can feel like spirit. Sometimes bone is too connected to marrow for you to know that it's not the same thing as marrow. And number three, intents and thoughts can be similar. So you subject that thought to what thus says the Lord. Okay? Are we seeing that now? 
Uh, let me see if I can read that in a simpler translation. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The mind can be very dramatic, especially if you're creative. You just, and if you're, even if you're not creative, everybody is creative at something or in some way. But the more create, creative you are, the more imaginative. Don't forget that when God caused the flood, it was not just about what they did. It was also about the imaginations of their hearts. Now, let me say this to you. Your thoughts are as naked to your soul as your actions are as visible to other people. Your thoughts, your soul is, your soul is seen is a, is a real thing. So you've got to train yourself to spin the thoughts or to hold onto the thoughts of God. That's why your thoughts are real. They affect you. They affect you. Hebrews chapter 4 uh, and verse 11. See what it says. Oh, my Lord. For we have the living word of God, TBT now, which is full of energy, 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 energy. The Aramaic means all effective. The word of God that is all effective. That's what a full of energy is. All effective. It can do anything. It says like a two-mouth sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. So this is the reason we'll talk about this shortly. Reading the Bible every day helps you to sharpen the distinction between thoughts and intent. Now, what does that mean? The intent is what God wants for your life. That's the intent. Intent, the tent within, what dwells within. Thoughts are what you are thinking in the realm of the soul, the realm of the mind. Thoughts are not a bad thing, but your thoughts were designed by God to help his intent in your inner man become content in your outer life. Get that. Thoughts exist as bridge to allow the intent of the spirit become the content of your life. The fleshing out of the purposes of God. Your thoughts were designed to actualize, carry out that. Okay? But the way you'll be able to separate what is your own from what God is thinking is to bring the sword of the spirit. Now, what's the sword of the spirit? When you see the operation of the sword, what you're seeing is not just passive revelation. What you're seeing is incisive intervention of God's thoughts. So when you think about sword, you think about battle. Why? Because your thoughts battle against the spirit. Therefore, to win the battle, God brings the flaming sword of a superior swordsmanship to, to separate, to cut off, to create a distinction. So that is very clear. Now, the more you read the Bible, the more you embrace the word of God, the more difficult it will be for you to be confused. Because confusion is with mixture, fusion, mixture, on, with, with mixture. The word of God comes to separate the mixtures in your life. With the others, let me run. Number four, 
What you feed your mind fuels your life. What you feed your mind is what we say fuel, but it fuels your life. F-U-E-L-S, your life. So I've told you before, revelation is to your spirit, what information is to your mind, what food is to your body. So there's such a thing as junk food for your spirit. Wrong doctrine or perverted teaching is junk. Okay? There's also toxic thinking, which is junk food to the mind. So you can think wrongly about the right truth. You can have wrong thoughts about the right teaching. That's also toxic. It means that your spirit is robust with revelation, but your mind is lean on intelligence. We feel this? This is the reason meditation is a must. I will talk about it. Meditation is a must. If you're going to get the juice of the word. Number five, your mind multiplies the seeds you sow into it. Your mind is wired to exaggerate. That exaggeration, I'm not talking about falsehood. I'm saying that part of what your mind does see, when your spirit hears, your spirit, your spirit does not necessarily expound the seed. Your spirit captures the seed. It is your mind that fleshes out the seed. It's like the farmer, your, your spirit, let's say your spirit is like the farmer, okay? When you put a seed in the hand of the farmer, the farmer does not himself multiply the seed. He does not have what it takes. But the farmer multiplies the seed by taking the seed and putting it in good soil. So when your spirit receives instruction from God and you plant it in the soil of meditation, the soil of your soul, where you are allowing it to dwell, Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell richly in you in all wisdom. Then the seeds multiply. So you can say the farmer multiplied the seed, but it was actually the soil that multiplied the seed. So it's actually the mind that allows the seed of God in your spirit to so mightily grow. Acts 19 verse 20, so mightily grew the word and it prevailed. With the others, I remember the first time I learned to play chess. Who, who knows how to play chess? First time I learned to play chess, many years ago, I was a teenager. Was I even a teenager? Pretty, maybe like, maybe 12 or 13. And I remember that day, I still remember till today, it was some older people, I think an uncle and a friend were playing and they taught me some basic moves and stuff. I've not played in years, by the way. Because they said, stop playing, so I stopped playing. <laughs> I'm joking. <clears throat> and they taught me that that evening was a Tuesday evening, went for Bible study in my church. Ladies and gentlemen, as we were worshiping, I was seeing the bishop make a move. I was seeing the queen. Are you seeing that? I was seeing the knight make a move. What was happening? I'm, yeah, yeah. What was happening is my mind. Now, I have a great degree of discipline where I can even separate all of that. But some of you, it still happens to you now, right? <clears throat> what is happening is that your mind is multiplying the seeds that you have sown into it. So you must intentionally choose the seeds you want to see more of and the ones you don't want to see much of. Number six, 
your mind can change. Even scientifically, it's been proven that the brain can reconstruct itself, that the neural pathways in your mind can be changed. So when someone says, me, I can never change You are the Lord, that is your name. Is that what you're trying to say? You'll never change. You are the, it's called neuroplasticity. Absolutely, that's what it's called. What does that mean? The way things are plastic, they can be molded. That's the way the neural, neural pathways can be molded. They can be worked on. And how do you do that? By firing off certain hormones based on certain states or, or certain things you give attention to. And so the way the pathways <clears throat> are developed in your brain, <clears throat> so you can check out neurochemistry <clears throat> and neuroplasticity, is that what carves out the way, let, let, me, let, me, let me use an example, you'll get it, you'll understand more easily. Is there anybody who, <clears throat> you had a, a field at the back of your house when you were growing up, grass used to grow, or a field, a lawn, in your house, in front, at the back, anybody, to the side, okay? <clears throat> if you grew up in the kind of house I grew up, where there was a significantly big house in front, there was a big queue at the back, and there was grass, you know that when you are walking, 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 after a while, without anybody cutting a pathway through the grass, the first people that were walking on the grass, they left their footprints. And after a while, the grass began to die. Then after a while, you know what happened? The grass never grew there again because there was a new pathway. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody's celebrating me. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's a new pathway. A new pathway is created. Please listen to this. That pathway was not created by anybody cursing it. That pathway was created by somebody placing the weight of other bodies on the grass, and then the grass died naturally. I don't overcome lost by fighting lost. I overcome lost by putting the weight of God's character on my decision-making. I don't overcome greed by fighting greed. I overcome it. I create a pathway through repeated, consistent generosity. I don't overcome anger by cursing anger. I create a new pathway by putting the truckload of mercy on situations where I feel like slapping the person into 1628. I don't overcome covetousness by confessing, I'm not covetous, I'm, no. I overcome it by putting the weight of contentment, complimenting the person sincerely without the hope of them removing the address to give it to me. So new pathways can be created by repeatedly taking steps and placing the weight of the new revelation on old habits and patterns. You feel me now? All right, so number seven is, and this is where I'll pivot. Number seven, you can change your mind by the power of God. And we see this, Philippians 4, 8 says, think on those things. In other words, you can choose what you think about. The enemy never wants you to believe in the power of choice. And it's an old trick because part of how he got Eve was to make her doubt, to make her doubt 
the credibility of our options. To make her wonder if, you know, the fear of missing out, I forgot to talk about that on Sunday, you know, one of the major issues, I, I, I touched on it, that the biggest tragedy of the fall was fear. And that's why even till now there's formal fear of missing out. So for like some of us who never really did bad things that were sort of like good all of our lives, you know, sometimes it just crosses your mind that, okay, let me just be a bad boy for a day, just a day, maybe two days, maybe a week. Let me just do some bad things. Let me even, let me see how it feels. That devil is a liar. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's the person that used to be very good? Oh yeah, good, right? And you just feel like, mm, why am I so good? Let me just let me just kiss like three girls, or let me just steal somebody's money, or let me just see. People are not being honest now. Confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. <laughs> All right, okay. Or do Yahoo Plus because. <laughs> Do you see? But there's nothing that, I mean, that there's no, it says that thing is death, is a sign of death. Right? So the devil doesn't want to believe in the legitimacy of your thoughts. So now it brings the fear of missing out, FOMO. He wants to feel, oh, oh, you know what? I I'm missing out on something. No. <laughs> From school to house to fellowship when I was in, you like, why don't I go to club? You see, nobody, well, don't let me say nobody. Even me, I won't believe that Mo never went to the club. Well, apparently she did not go to the club. Right? <laughs> so I can choose. He said, whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honest, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So he creates the context for my thoughts, similarly to the context for the pathway that I travel. So what will happen is after I create a new pathway, a new rhythm, a new habit in my mind, it's going to be tough initially mostly, but it's going to get easy after a while. How does that happen? I want to give you five hours instead of, I'll give you. Number one, if I'm going to renew my mind with the word, I must read the word. I must read the word. Sometimes we sort of like make it complex, but I don't know about you, but I have seen in my own life that whenever I take out the day, the morning, and that's, I do that technically every morning. There are a few mornings where I miss it because of alteration and schedule or domestic responsibilities or some other stuff. But mostly, look at what I discovered. The first one is read the word. I, I want to give you an hours, read the word. I discovered that just reading the word in the morning gives me a sense of balance, direction, capacity to overcome temptation, the engineering of patience in my inner man. It reduces my tendency towards irritability, my sensitivity to what people say or do that I don't like. What is happening? Embedding the word early gives you a spiritual buffer that can help you push out what the enemy may try to bring your way in the course of the day. First Peter chapter two, one to three, first Peter two, one to three, it says, therefore laying aside what all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy. Listen, let me say this now. The fact that 
You are being hypocritical does not mean you're not saved. And people miss a lot. Almost everybody who got saved could appear hypocritical at some point or the other because sometimes you know what to do, but you're not doing it. He says, when you identify, you can lay that aside. And it says, lay aside envy and all evil speaking. So listen, all of us have something to lay aside. There are pastors who don't have malice, who don't have deceit, who don't have hypocrisy, who don't have envy, but not then they speak evil, pass. They speak evil of other pastors, of other churches, of the church members, of pastors' wives, of this, right? The people don't have that issue. There are believers that don't speak evil, but envy is there. He says, laid all aside, but that's not where the transformation happens. The transition happens where it says desire, the pure milk. Another one says the sincere milk. Another one says the unadulterated milk of the word. It says desire it. Why? That you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 15. Let no one, we know, this, we know that one. Let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, purity, in this. We know that. And that's where we stop. But verse 13 is where the change happens. He said, till I come, give attention to what? Reading. To exhortation, to doctrine. I call it code red, right? Reading exhortation uh, doctrine. Give attention to it. Include it in your schedule. You must read the word. What happens when you're reading the word is that the Holy Spirit is scrubbing your brain. Scrubbing your brain. I remember when we were in school, some people used to say, idiot, idiot, dirty, idiot, idiot, dirty. Sometimes the ed is dirty. That is like literally in some cases, like the, yeah, literally in some cases. But in some cases, it's a shady balabala kind of situation where the ED is dirty. And in some cases, the ED is the back. Your back is dirty. So by just pouring water, you don't even need to sort of like meditate yet. Before you meditate, the mind is already capturing stuff and the Holy Spirit has something to scrub your behind with. You know, sometimes the reason your ED is dirty, your, your ED is dirty, is that you've been sitting on the same spot for a long time. You are not even doing anything nasty or immoral, but you've been sitting in one place for a long time. Your undies are gathering body fluids and body dirt and yorkish yolk. And so you need some cleansing. I'm speaking metaphorically now. So sometimes you're not dirty because you're doing the wrong thing. It's because of the exigencies of even ministry and work and the assignments and all of that. You're secreting more than you were called to be. <laughs> So the Lord needs to wash you. Are we here now? And when God washes you, nobody wash you. So read the word. Number two, repeat the word. Repeat the word. Don't just read it, repeat it. A message on Sunday includes in your schedule. I'm going to listen to that word again. Repeat the word. Pro repeat the word. I noticed something I started doing recently. I caught myself doing it. If I see a short video, maybe like, uh, especially like on Instagram, and it's like a good video for spiritual growth or personal growth, I listen to it again, like one minute, I'll listen to it again, listen to it again. And I'm learning to listen to different things. 
The first time you listen to many things, you don't get the full juice of it. When you listen to it many times, that's information or revelation. Sometimes it takes a second listen to get into comprehension and then another listen to get into real application or saturation for application. Now, where do we find this? Deuteronomy chapter six from three to nine. Deuteronomy six through to nine. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, hear what the commands of the Lord, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you see that even when God promised them, he repeated it, a land flowing with milk and honey. He re- that's why we do the affirmations. That's why we do the declarations. And please don't do them only on Sunday. Do them in the course of the day. Do them in the course of the week. Repeat it. Even God repeated himself. Some people be like, I can never repeat myself. You better do. Why? Repetition leads to retention. Repetition enhances retention. Many people are scared of cancer because it's been repeatedly said that cancer kills. Many people are scared of business because we're repeatedly said that business is tough. Many people are scared of marrying pastors because we're repeatedly said, ah, pastors, hey, hey, hey. So what you believe is the product of what has been repeated by people whose words you respect or whose results you admire. What you call a belief is oftentimes the product of the repetitions of people whose words you respect or whose results you admire. He said, a land full of milk and honey. He said it, repeated it. Abraham heard it. Isaac heard it. Jacob heard it. Moses heard it. They kept hearing it. It says, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, that's spirit, soul, and body. And these words, which I, oops, my phone is, I really need my real charger. Somebody ex- exchanged their charger for mine. And this charger, I don't know whether it's charging my phone or discharging my phone, actually. No, that's not all. Jaddy, you must always get it. The words of people are oftentimes, no, 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 that's not what I said. I said beliefs are oftentimes the results of what has been repeated by people whose words uh, you respect and whose results you you admire. All right. Deuteronomy chapter six, I was reading that before my device went off and I need my device back. All right, I think it was in verse what? Verse four or so? Okay, verse uh, six. Deuteronomy 6 now, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be where? In your heart. So what happens is this. Repetition eh, moves words. Repetition facilitates the transportation of thoughts from your mind to your heart. Let me tell you what. If you understand this, your process of change will become sporadic. If you say to yourself, 
I'm a million dollars. 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 I am a million dollars. You say that a hundred times. You say it three times a day. You say it for 30 days. Something will shift remarkably in your life. It's going to be like magic. It's not magic. It's the technology of the soul. But do you know what we repeat to ourselves? Ah, I don't have money. I don't have money. I don't have money. Where will I find it? How can I find it? Nigeria is tough. You are repeating something. There is something, there's raw material on the machine of your mind that is producing. You are literally turning the yam into pounded yam of poverty. Not you. Somebody used to do it. In fact, you used to do it before, but the Lord is delivering you. Because what repetition does is that it moves thoughts from the mind to the heart. And once it gets into the heart, it will come out of the mouth. Listen, something can be in your mind and your mouth will not say it, but it's almost impossible for something to be in your heart and for your tongue to not repeat it after a while. That's why sometimes what people really think about you is what they say when they are not thinking about you. <laughs> what a word. Word, 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 word. Oh, talk to me in the comments now. Listen, if I am uh, making the sacrifices to talk for over an hour, you should make the sacrifices to type once in a while. Many times I really think about you is what they say about you when they are not actively thinking about you. The meditations of their hearts. It says, this word shall be in your heart. You shall teach them, this repetition, teach them how diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in, in your house. When you walk, by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, somebody give us the text in the comments. When you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Wear them as bracelets. You shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost, on your house, and on your gates. I don't know if you remember when we were kids, many of us used to have frames of the word on our walls, our parents, or in the clocks, or on the door. He said, repeat the word. Put pictures of it around. Now you have devices. Put on your screensaver. Put it on post-it notes and put it on your wall. It's still my year of spreading with speed, right? Number three, you want to ruminate on the word. Ruminate on the word, number three. So that was Deuteronomy chapter six, three to nine. Where are the scribes? Repeat it. That's why I'm staying there. Repeat it. Repeat it. Doesn't mean nobody can post the scripture in the comments. I'm waiting to see that. Better.
that ruminate on the word. What does it mean to ruminate on the word? Somebody tell us. What does it mean to ruminate on the word? It's actually a word that more or less describes the way animals uh, <laughs> the way animals chew the cord, they regurgitate. If you remember the four components of the stomach, omasum, abomasum, right? And how the animal, mammals especially, they will eat, then they will bring it back up again, put it in their mouths, then chew on it again. It's called chewing the cord, as in C-U-D, not C-O-R-D, or C-H-O-R-D, right? They didn't chew the musical chords, right? They will ruminate. But basically it means to think about something deeply. Without rumination, you might not find your room in the nation. Hey, hey, send my white, my white paper real quick. It's in the place of thinking deeply that you find yourself in the word and you find the word in you. The word is in you, but you find the instruction, the color, the texture, the shape, the timing, the constructs. You begin to find that there are a couple of things I'm ruminating on right now in, in my life. If I almost all the time I'm ruminating on something. Without rumination, you might not find your room in the nation. You just be lost. You have those words of prophecy, but they are floating because you're not grounded in the truth by meditation. Rumination allows you to find expression, room, and to al allows the word find expression in you. For time's sake, let's run. Psalm, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Most of us know that one. Write it down. Book of the law shall not, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, ruminate on it. Meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in, written in it. So what you're trying to do when you ruminate is you are trying to observe so that you can do. You are not ruminating to impress people at your next master life class. So they say, hey, you ready? No. The rumination is for observation. The observation is for action. Rumination, observation, action. Rumination, observation, action. Rumination, observation, action. You are ruminating so that you can observe. What does it mean to observe? You can pay attention to specific things or indicators. If you gloss over the text, you will miss a lot of things. But when you ruminate, you're observing, oh, okay. So when the Bible says that when Moses turned 40, he entered into his heart, all of a sudden you begin to say to yourself, what is currently entering into my heart? What are the destiny deposits? What are the instructions from on high? What are the imprints of the Holy Ghost stirring me up in this season? Ruminate. Psalm 119, 147 to 148. Somebody give me that in TPT, give me that in Amplified. Give me that in Amplified Classic. Psalm 119, 147 to 148. Let me run. I rise before the dawning of the morning. And uh, see rhymes. This guy was a poet, man. Arise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. Yup. I hope in your word. See what it says now. Verse 148. My eyes are awake through the night. Where are my scribes?
I hope in your word, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. That I may meditate on your word. I said I need it in TPT. I need it in Amplified Classic. Thanks. Before the day dawns, I'll be crying out for help and wrapping, do you see that? Wrapping your words into my life. So ruminating wraps the word into my life. It creates a word filter to every experience. It creates a word basis to every desire. I ruminate on the word. It says, I lie awake every night. What am I doing? Pondering your promises to me. So I'm not busy complaining. There's no room for it because I'm, I'm too immersed meditating on the promises. A promise is a promise no matter how long it's taken. And by the way, I think it's taken long because I'm using my own calendar. <laughs> I, I need to peep into God's notes and just rest in that. He says, when I lie awake, I'm not crying and complaining. If I'm crying, there are tears of joy and anticipation. See what it says in TBT. Uh, I lie awake every night, pondering your promise to me, Lord. Listen to my heart's cry for I know your love is real for me. Okay, rather. Amplified classic. I anticipated the dawning of the morning and cried. In childlike prayer, I hoped in your word. You see that? My eyes anticipate the night watches, and I am awake before the cry of the watchman that I may meditate on your word. So David spent all night, maybe not every night, obviously not every night, but spent all night, some nights, just reading the word, studying the word, focusing on the word, meditating on the word. And I've said it before, many people are used to all night prayer, but I think that many of us need to get into all night Bible study and Bible declaration, word declaration and meditation. Why? Because sometimes the answer is not in the prayer. The answer is in the word. In fact, the answer to prayer is oftentimes a word. <laughs> you see that? Number four, rejoice in the word. Rejoice in the word. Be excited about the word. Rejoice when you're coming for a teaching or a service, even if it's 15 minutes before the service. Put your mind in frame to respond rejoicingly at the word that is going to come. Psalm 119, 162 to 164. I did it in TPT and Amplified and Amplified Classic. Psalm 119, 162, 164. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Treasure. If my mind is going to change, listen, your mind attributes things, it files things into pain and pleasure. Pain or pleasure. If you attach pain to Bible study, your mind will not cooperate with you to do it. If you attach pleasure to fasting, fasting becomes easier. Now, how do you attach pleasure to fasting? Not the hunger pangs. It's not the hunger pangs that are making you pleased. It's the sense of control, the sense of spiritual sensitivity, the sense of being able to hear God discerning faster in your consciousness. 
not just in your spirit, man. So you train your mind to find pleasure in the word. It said, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day, I praise you. Now, why do I praise you? Because even can say sometimes a day I praise you because I got a testament, because I got a car, because I, some proposed, because this happened. No, it's seven times a day I praise you. Why? Because of your righteous judgment. So the word of God, the decision-making protocols of God, I'm excited by that. I praise God because his judgments are right. But most, most of our praises are predicated on God performing. <laughs> but David said, no, 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 I rejoice because I know God's decisions are right. God is good. God is faithful. He does things well. I'm not saying it's wrong to thank God and celebrate testimonies. I'm saying it's better to celebrate God for God than celebrate God for his works. Amplify Classic says about the same thing. Uh, I like the way it says, your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. Verse 164, I stop to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. You can write down Job 23, 12 to 14 as well. Finally, who wants to get, guess what the last R is? So the first R is read the word. Second R is repeat the word. Third R is ruminate on the word. The fourth R is rejoice at the word. Or rejoice in the word. Not remember. Even though that's good. But if you ruminate, you remember actually. Number five is release the word. Release the word. Hey, more got it actually. Oh, yeah, Mo got it. That's great. Mo, you're very good with words, actually. You, you have that lyrical thing. Release the word. That's what I was asking earlier, that when you say you rebuke that thought, the most effective rebuke is the rebuke of the word, because the Bible says that even the word is given for rebuke, for reproof. And that's to reprove even those of us who are righteous. So if the word of God is effective in rebuking believers, correcting, chastising believers, that means that word is super effective in rebuking issues, chastising issues, correcting the course of things in life and destiny. Psalm 107, 19 to 20. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent the word. Give us that in, in uh, TBT and Amplified Classic. One, Psalm 107, 19 to 20. He sent the word. He released the word. And he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Plural. He delivered them. Then we cried, Lord, help us, rescue us. And indeed, God spoke the words, be healed, and we were healed, delivered from death's door. That means that if a situation is at the door of death, a word in your mouth can bring that situation back. Your confessions of faith have redemptive energy. 
They have redemptive capacities. They have redemptive purposes. You can speak a word, and by that word, you turn things around. This is the reason when you hear bad news, you must be super careful. The first words that come out of your mouth, ensure that after you say, yay, you say, the Lord is good, and this is turning around for my good. Is somebody hearing? I want to close with this. He says that Christ the Lord in their trouble and delivers them out of their distresses. He sends forth his word and heals them and rescues them from the pit. See, the moment that new government came into existence, I began to speak words. And I said, this is going to favor me, my family, kings. Our best years are even in this tenure. I have no fear. Everything is working together for my good. You have to use those words because that's what Jesus did. That's what God does. Please later read Matthew 8, 5 to 10. The story of the centurion who had a servant that was lying sick at home. And, and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. He said, because I'm a man under authority. I said to one, go. I said to another, come. And then he comes. He said, I said to one, do this, and it does it. And Jesus said, this man, you understand faith. In other words, the technology of faith is that you don't have to move to move things. <laughs> the technology of faith Every is that the word is a living being. Uh -huh. The word can be sent on assignment. The word is constructive. The word is reparative. The word is purposeful. The word is intelligent. The same way you can teleguide circumstances, right? You can use what they call IBM, intercontinental ballistic missile. To you can tailor it. You can send huh? words into your future. You can send words into your marriage. You can send words into the circumstances in your life. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? This is important. So when you wake up in the morning, say, "Lord, I thank you for this good day." This day is blessed. It cooperates with heaven's agenda concerning my destiny. Everywhere I go, favor to my right, to my left, everything is working together for my good. The traps in my way are completely scattered as I walk on any road or travel in any car. Because I am there, everything begins to line up with the spirit that I carry on the inside of me. This is how we do it. We'll win with words. You release the word over that circumstance. Boil, I come, oh, let me share a testimony with you. See, because I practice these things and I don't just wait for the big things. I don't wait for the big things. I practice it at every opportunity. Do you know what happened? A boil showed up in one part of my body. And you know, I've, I've joked about that thing before, that boils, they have a way of being rude. They'll just show up at an unexpected place. Guess when the boil showed up or when I noticed it? Saturday, Saturday boil, <laughs> boil I'm like, I usually preach on Sundays, right? And I usually move around on Sundays. How dare you boil? Because the place where the boil was situated, there's no way you would not have suspected that something was wrong if the boil was still in action. So when the boil came, I started boiling in my spirit. How dare you? And I cursed it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I've completely forgotten. I completely forgot up until about now. I'm not even going to, are you following what I'm saying? Now, 
You, you saw me on Sunday. Did I look boily? Did I look boily on Sunday? Those of you that have seen between Sunday and today, any boily, boiliness? Do you know why? These words are real. These things are true. These things are true. The issue... <laughs> you can outboil a man of fact, or you can't even. This is true. So we have to use it. Don't wait for a crusade. You are a living, breathing evangelist. Carry your crusade with you. By the way, a crusade means that you are waging war. People are laughing at my ball story. I have, all, I have all the stories, right? <laughs> right? A crusade means that you have a militant or political campaign. You are waging war. You are a daily crusader. I know you don't work for custodian or you're a custodian of, of faith. I know you don't work for the crusader, but you're a crusader for Christ. So anything that is acting balabluish in your situation around you, you use your words to arrange that thing. Receive sense. Be straight. I command pain, go in the name of Jesus. Command headache, you're gone in the name of Jesus. I speak order to this atmosphere. Everything calm down. So one of the things I, I, I don't allow in my space is agitation, tension. No. Calm down. Peace. But still, you speak words over that fever that your son or your daughter is having. Be gone in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying don't take them to the hospital, right? But I'm saying do that. Speak to that account. Grow. Resources come in the name of Jesus. Opportunities begin to locate me in the name of Jesus. A door is open for me for the gospel. Today, I preach to a soul and it receives the Christ. You use those words. He says, he sent his word. And Jesus sent his word, said that self-same hour, the centurion's servant was healed. A transaction that happened in a different location brought a manifestation in that man's location. Accounts, mirror, yeah, speak to it, speak life. Never use your tongue against yourself. Never use your tongue against yourself. Glory to the Most High God. I want to thank God right now in a minute. Just thank the Lord. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the counsel of the spirit. Thank God for the tutorial ministry of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the penetrative and incisive light of revelation. Thank God for the areas that are being made straight, the crooked paths that are being set in order. Thank God for new energy, new life, and new glory and new grace. Thank the Lord that your life is a string of testimonies. That everything that you need is set in order. Bless the name of the Lord that you are not a stranger to the miraculous. Thank the Lord. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you all the honor, all adoration. Thank you, Lord. This is a house of the word. This is a house of the miraculous. This is a house of, a house of the supernatural. This is a house of the divine. This is a house where we see so many miracles on a daily basis. It's not just going to be on Sundays or special meetings every day because we read the word. Hallelujah. Because we repeat the word. Because we ruminate on the word. Shani Gabaya. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in the word. 
and will release the word over every circumstance. The word prevails in our marriages. Our marriages are sweet and fulfilling. The single amongst us, they are married into good and godly homes to great and gorgeous men and women. Thank you, Father. We speak the words. Our appointed time we will not miss. Our times and sins are in your hands. We are allied. We are allied with the prophetic. We're in tune and in sync with the spirit of the most high God. Thank you, Father. Everything is lining up for us. We glorify you, our God. Lord, I pray for somebody who might be feeling scared or anxious about the fact that they've heard a message of this potency before with so much light, but somehow they were distracted or they were overwhelmed. Lord, I thank you because you're discarding that dark cloud. You are removing that blanket and cloak of guilt and you're clothing them with anointing and grace to be able to live above and beyond the trappings and the limitations of even their flesh and the limitations of their minds and distractions and their tendency towards uh, being double-minded. Thank you, Father, that you're comforting, affirming, validating, and strengthening that will not only be hearers of the word, but we are doers of the same. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.